Hello and welcome all of you to our Surgical Educator Podcast. I am your host or Master of Ceremony for today's episode. You can call me as MC that is Master of Ceremony. We are going to discuss the surgical problem groin swellings in the forthcoming weeks. Today in this episode we are going to discuss the commonest cause for the groin swellings that is inguinal hernia. We will be discussing the definition, various causes for the groin swellings, applied anatomy, epidemiology, etiology, pathology, clinical features, complications, treatment and post-op complications associated with inguinal hernia. In the subsequent episodes, we will discuss the other causes for the groin swellings. Our expert surgeon, Professor Dr. Selvaraj is here with us to answer all our questions. So, let us dive deep into the topic. Hello, Doctor. What is an inguinal hernia? Hi, MC. Good morning. An inguinal hernia is a protrusion of the hole or part of a viscous through a weak point or defect in the cavity which contains it. Hernia has got four parts, mouth, neck, body and fundus. The inguinal canal is a passage through the lower abdominal wall that allows structures such as blood vessels, nerves and the spermatic cord in males and round ligament in females to pass from the abdomen to the scrotum and labia respectively. Hello doctor, what are the different causes for the groin swelling? Hello, now you must think of different structures or organs lying in groin area. They are lymph nodes, spermatic cord, round ligament, femoral vein, femoral artery and femoral nerve. Think of pathologies in these structures. Of course, the commonest cause for a groin swelling is inguinal hernia. The other causes are femoral hernia, encysted hydrocele, lipoma of the cord, undescended testis, saphena varix, femoral artery aneurysm, femoral nerve neuroma, and cold abscess. Hello, doctor. What applied anatomy the students must know in inguinal hernia? Well, to be a successful surgeon, you must know the underlying anatomy thoroughly. You must know the anatomy of anterior surface of the lower abdominal wall to do a successful open surgery for hernia and to do a successful laparoscopic surgery, you must know the anatomy of posterior surface of the same area. Regarding the anterior surface, you must know about the inguinal canal and its boundaries. Inguinal canal is a 4 cm long passage between the deep inguinal ring which is a defect in the transversalis fascia and the superficial inguinal ring which is a defect in external oblique fascia. The inguinal canal 
is anteriorly related to external oblique aponeurosis and origin of internal oblique muscle. Posteriorly related to transversalis fascia, superiorly by internal oblique muscle and conjoint tendon and inferiorly it is related to the inguinal ligament. Myopectineal orifice of fruit chart is a well-defined weak area in anterior lower abdomen which is divided into supra-inguinal and infra-inguinal part by the inguinal ligament. In supra-inguinal part, both direct and indirect hernias can occur, whereas in infra-inguinal part, femoral hernia can result. The posterior surface anatomy you should learn ideally with a diagram. You must know about the various structures lying there like the various muscles, blood vessels, nerves and the orifices like the internal inguinal ring and femoral ring. You should also know about triangle of doom, triangle of pain and circle of death. This is something like teaching about elephants. However good I am going to explain about elephants verbally, showing a picture of an elephant instead will have a very great impact. Because this is an audio podcast, I cannot do that. So I request my audience to refer to a standard surgical anatomy atlas to understand this anatomy very well. That is the posterior surface of the anterior abdominal wall. Knowledge of anatomy of this area is very important to master laparoscopic repair of groin hernias. Hello doctor, what is the epidemiology of inguinal hernia? Inguinal hernias are common and affect both men and women. However, they are more common in men. Almost 9 is to 1 is the ratio with a lifetime risk of up to 27% of male patients can suffer from, I mean, inguinal hernia in their lifetime. Inguinal hernias also tend to occur more frequently in elderly people. It is more common on the right side and it is also more common in premature babies compared to the term babies. What are all the etiological factors of inguinal hernia, doctor? Okay, the number one, general factors like aging, male gender, family history, obesity and smoking. Number two, in pediatric patient, there is persistence of processes vaginalis is the cause for the hernia. Usually, this processes vaginalis should get obliterated after birth. If it is not going to get obliterated, okay, then the hernia will occur in these babies. Number three, increased abdominal pressure caused by chronic cough, constipation, dysuria, heavy weight lifting. All these things will cause increase of intra-abdominal pressure and that in turn will produce indirect inguinal hernia. Number four, Direct inguinal hernia is common in elderly people due to weakness of the anterior abdominal wall muscle which we can demonstrate by asking the patient 
to raise their head so that in the anterior abdominal wall you can see some bulges because of weakness of the muscle this is called malgegnis bulging so this is more common in those patients who are having weak anterior abdominal wall muscle in form of malgegnis bulging number 5 injury to iliohypogastric nerve due to surgeries in right iliac fossa like say appendicectomy or open ureterolithotomy or even renal transplant that will result in the inguinal hernia because injury to the iliohypogastric nerve will uh, produce weakness of the anterior abdominal wall muscle that results in direct inguinal hernia what is the pathology of inguinal hernia doctor hi mc inguinal hernias occur when the abdominal contents such as intestine or omentum protrude through a weak point or defect in the myopectineal orifice of fruit chart or because of increase intraabdominal pressure so increase intraabdominal pressure will result in indirect inguinal hernia whereas weakness of the anterior abdominal wall musculature will results in direct inguinal hernia so the protrusion can be either indirect where the hernial sac passes through the internal inguinal ring ring travels down the inguinal canal and exit the abdominal wall through superficial inguinal ring or the hernia could be direct hernia also where the hernial sac won't pass through the inguinal canal but appears as a, as a bulge in the groin area and comes out through the hesselbach triangle hello doctor what are the clinical features of inguinal hernia number 1 the most common clinical feature of an inguinal hernia is a bulge or swelling in the groin area that may or may not be associated with pain other symptoms include a dragging sensation in the groin because of the pull on the mesentery discomfort or pain during physical activity and a feeling of heaviness in the scrotum number 2 expansile cough impulse in an uncomplicated hernia if it becomes complicated like irreducible obstructed or strangulated there won't be any cough impulse number 3 swelling is either partially or completely reducible number 4 get above the swelling is possible because indirect inguinal hernia it is not possible because indirect inguinal hernia is a inguinoscrotal swelling so get above the swelling means you have to try to palpate the upper border of the swelling because this hernia is a inguinoscrotal swelling you cannot feel the upper border that is this uh, uh, test is negative so it is a case of indirect inguinal hernia and number 5 all of you should do deep ring occlusion test before doing deep ring occlusion test first of all you had to reduce the hernia and then only you had to do it to do this test <coughs> this is for indirect inguinal hernia you had to reduce the hernia then you had to occlude the Uh, deep ring the surface marking of deep ring is 1.25 cm 
above mid inguinal point. So that point you have to occlude with your thumb and ask the patient to cough. So now you won't see any bulge in that area. That means the hernia is an indirect one. Suppose if it is a direct hernia, in spite of we occluding that internal ring, the swelling will appear through the medial aspect of your finger, through the Hasselbach's triangle, if that hernia is a direct inguinal hernia. Number six, you should also do one more clinical test, that is G-man's three-finger test, where you have to put your index finger, you have to occlude the internal ring. The middle finger, you have to occlude the external ring. And the ring finger, you have to occlude the saphenous opening. And then you have to ask the patient to cough. For the, for the uh, uh, right side, okay, you have to use the right hand. For the left side, you have to use the same side hand you have to use. Ask the patient to cough. So if you are getting the impact on your index finger, we are dealing with an indirect inguinal hernia. If you are getting the impact on a middle finger, we are dealing with a case of direct inguinal hernia. And if we are getting the impact on the ring finger, we are dealing with a femoral hernia. What are the three types of indirect inguinal hernia, doctor? There are three types of indirect inguinal hernia. They are number one, bubonosur, seal. Bubonosil, number two, it is funicular, and number three, complete scrotal. Bubonosil means the hernial sac is still inside the inguinal canal and it hasn't come out of the external ring. Whereas, if funicular means, okay, the hernial sac has come out of the external ring, but it stops just above the testis. It is, this is funicular. And the third type, Okay, the hernia has come out of the external ring, it has descended into the scrotum and it has touched the bottom of the scrotum. So usually these complete scrotal hernias are congenital hernias. So how will you differentiate this complete scrotal from bubonocele and funicular hernia? In both bubonocele and in funicular hernia, you should be able to palpate the testis and epididymis separately. Whereas, in case of complete scrotal, because it is a congenital hernia, either the omentum or even the intestine will descend down into this hernial sac and it will surround the testis. So, you cannot palpate the testis and epididymis separately. Hello, doctor. How will you differentiate indirect inguinal hernia from direct inguinal hernia? Okay. There are so many differences. Number one, indirect hernia is very common in children and in young people. Whereas, direct inguinal hernia is, a, uh, is very common in elderly. And in indirect inguinal hernia, it comes through the inguinal canal and it will enter into the scrotum. Whereas, direct inguinal hernia is passing through the Hasselbach's triangle and it rarely enters into the scrotum and it will never pass through the inguinal canal. And it is pear-shaped <coughs> in case of indirect inguinal hernia, whereas in direct inguinal hernia, it is globular. 
this uh, compress the internal ring if the internal ring occlusion test will be positive in case of indirect lingual hernia that means after occlusion you you may not see any bulge in that area groin area whereas if it is a direct lingual hernia in spite of us occluding the internal uh, ring the swelling will appear through the hasselbach triangle or from the medial aspect of our finger and uh, usually the re relationship to the spermatic cord with the sac usually indirect inguinal hernia is the sac will be posterior <coughs> sorry spermatic cord will be posterior to the sac whereas in direct inguinal hernia it is anterior and lateral to the sac the relationship of sac neck with inferior epigastric artery usually the neck of the sac will be lateral in case of indirect inguinal hernia whereas direct inguinal hernia the neck of the sac will be medial to the inferior epigastric artery and incarceration is very common in indirect inguinal hernia it is very very uh, low in case of direct inguinal hernia what are the complications of inguinal hernia doctor number 1 irreducible in irreducibility that means the hernia is no longer reducible the cause for the irreducibility is tight internal ring number 2 obstructed so only the viscera which is having lumen can get obstructed so enterocil can go for obstruction but omotrocil cannot go for obstruction because it hasn't got a lumen and number 3 strangulation where the blood supply is cut off which may eventually results in peritonitis of the uh, uh, bowel and even perforation but strangulation can happen both in enterocil and omotrocil but obstruction can happen only in enterocil and never it can happen to omotrocil this you have to remember and number fourth complication is incarceration majority of the many of them are using incarceration as synonymous to irreducibility but there is a difference between irreducibility and incarceration the cause for irreducible hernia is tight internal ring whereas in in incarceration there is no tight internal ring but the cause for the irreducibility is because of adhesion between the sac and the content of the sac it this happens in chronic hernias so there is development of adhesion between the sac and the content maybe probably a omotrocil so that the hernia cannot i mean get reduced this is one cause or the the content inside the bubble itself that is the fecal matter may get solidified and that may also and that is why it is not getting reduced incarceration literally means putting somebody in the jail and number 5 complication is reduction en masse because of forcible reduction the hernial sac will get invaginated without properly getting reduced so what will happen the mass will disappear but actually it is still 
without getting reduced properly everything will be inside the abdomen you may be thinking that you have done a very good job but next day the patient patient may go for uh, perforation and even peritonitis of the gangrenous bowel hello doctor what are the special types of hernias number 1 dual pantaloon or saddle hernia where both direct and indirect sacs will be there so we have to sacrifice the inferior epigastric artery we have to ligate and divide it and then treat now the uh, both direct and indirect hernias it will become like a indirect sac and you have to treat it as if you are treating a indirect inguinal hernia number 2 sliding hernia or hernia en glissade the retroperitoneal organ will slide down and that will make the part of the hernial sac itself so on the right side it is cecum on the left side it is sigmoid colon in the midline it is urinary bladder which can slide down and form part of the hernial sac the importance of sliding hernia is while repairing these hernias you have to carefully you have to separate these sliding organs and then you have to push them into the abdomen retroperitoneally and you have to suture back only the peritoneal sac and number 3 richter's hernia where only part of the circumference of the bowel is obstructed this is very common in femoral hernia and number 4 madel's hernia or w shaped hernia where the intestine will come out go in come out again again it will go to, go in that will form a v, w shaped hernia and this is called madel's hernia number 5 litris hernia where meckel's diverticulum is the content of the hernia we call it as litris hernia suppose if the content is appendix in a hernia we call it as amiant's hernia hello doctor what is the treatment for inguinal hernia number 1 the treatment for inguinal hernia is surgical repair which can be performed either through an open or laparoscopic approach the type of surgery depends on patient's individual needs and the surgeon's preference the most common surgical technique is lichtenstein's tension free mess repair number 2 in pediatric inguinal hernia we do just herniotomy which is also known as high ligation of the sac you need not do the strengthening surgeries like herniography or hernioplasty in pediatric inguinal hernia repair number 3 in young adults ideally we have to do herniography that is suturing together together of patient's own tissue to strengthen the posterior wall of the inguinal canal so there are too many herniographies are there some of them are basinis soldis melonis desada are few examples for herniographies there are numerous types of herniographies i told you but nowadays we are doing the mesh repair or hernioplasty only irrespective of whether our patient is a middle age patient or elderly patient 
except pediatric cases in all other age group nowadays we are doing only hernioplasty the hernia raphi we are not doing that many nowadays number 4 in elderly patient i told you already <coughs> we do only hernioplasty that is using a synthetic material to strengthen the posterior wall of the inguinal canal the very famous surgery nowadays is lichtenstein's tension free mesh repair so we use proline mesh or some of the centers yeah, the, uh, like hernia specialized hernia centers they are doing gilbert's sutureless proline hernia system or stopas pre peritoneal mesh repair all these are open surgeries and number 5 laparoscopic or robotic hernia repair this is you have we have to do only for recurrent or bilateral inguinal hernias if the hernia is a primary one and it is unilateral there is no indication for laparoscopic hernia repair there are two types of lap hernia repairs are there one is transabdominal pre peritoneal repair and totally extra peritoneal repair so the uh, the explanation of this operative surgery is not for this uh, this i mean podcast so that that i cannot explain in this small uh, i mean time what are the post operative complications associated with inguinal hernia repair doctor number 1 the commonest complication now in the mess era is nerve entrapment neuropathy that is when we are fixing the mesh to the inguinal ligament or the conjoint tendon we should not include the ilioinguinal nerve or genital branch of genital femoral nerve in our ligature otherwise nerve entrapment neuropathy will result which can be treated symptomatically so if there is pain okay you have to give analgesic in due course it will become all right and number 2 the commonest complication in pre mess era was recurrence which has gone down considerably after the introduction of mess repair number 3 the other complications are seroma or hematoma surgical site infection urinary retention testicular atrophy due to injury to testicular artery in most cases these complications can be managed with medication and close follow up with the surgeon thank you doctor for sharing your knowledge regarding theoretical aspect of the inguinal hernia can you share your experience of some real inguinal hernia cases managed by you thank you for the question mc however knowledgeable you are theoretically you should apply that knowledge to treat a real patient successfully i will share three case scenarios of inguinal hernia which i managed to reinforce the theoretical knowledge gained by listening this podcast case number 1 it was a 25 year old builder who suddenly developed a golf ball sized slightly tender lump in his right groin after lifting a 20 kg bag of sand 
he told he felt a tearing sensation as it happened he attended the ane department in the hospital the swelling was reducible and he was having a expansive cough impulse swelling was completely reducible i couldn't get to get the get above the swelling was uh, not possible so it is a uncomplicated inguinal hernia the patient is only 25 years old most probably indirect inguinal hernia because it's a mid young age okay patient is having young age and there is a history of weight lifting so this is a straight forward uncomplicated simple uh, indirect inguinal hernia which we can manage by doing uh, a hernioplasty nowadays ideally hernio raphi should be done because he is only 25 years old but nowadays we are doing mess repair mess repair irrespective of the age the case number 2 a 7 months old baby was brought to the surgical outpatient clinic a pediatric surgical outpatient clinic with a inguinoscleral lump he has had the lump for the past 2 months but previously it was appearing only on crying over the last two days it, it it descended into the scrotum and was unable to reduce the baby also started vomiting for one day duration so this is see here it is a baby baby was having a swelling which which was descending into the scrotum and going back into the abdomen on and off but suddenly now for the past one day uh, it was it becomes irreducible couldn't i mean reduce it from the scrotum and baby also started vomiting so that means this could be a, a case of obstructed inguinal hernia this will happen only if it is a enterocil if it is a omentocil obstruction cannot happen because omentum hasn't got a lumen so the baby will vomit bilious vomiting because in other words it is a small bowel obstruction so how will you confirm the diagnosis immediately we have to order an abdominal x-ray erect where you can see multiple air fluid levels <coughs> plica circularis and the dilated small bowel of more than 3 cm diameter and if it is a complete obstruction you cannot see any gas in the large bowel either in the colon or in the rectum so that is confirmatory so you can can come to your diagnosis so what you have to do this is an emergency so immediately we had to do the surgery you had to reduce it i told this is an obstruction so obstruction what is the what is the cause here usually it is tight internal ring so that internal ring we had to release then you had to find whether the bubbles are viable or non viable if it is necrotic then it is a case of strangulated inguinal hernia so here in this patient it was all viable bubble so after releasing the internal ring the tight internal ring i just reduce it and there is no need because it is a pediatric case there is no need to do either hernioraphy or hernioplasty you had to do just herniotomy that's all that is what i did in this case and case number 3 a 73 year old man has had a groin lump for some time which he ignored 
over the last three days, it has become progressively more pain, painful with redness of the overlying skin. He has not opened his bowels uh, during the past three days and he started vomiting one day duration. So here it is an elderly patient. He was having a lump for quite some time but he totally ignored it. But for the past three days it becomes more painful and the skin over the swelling also become red <coughs> and he was not passing stools properly and he also started vomiting. So this patient he has gone for strangulated hernia because the overlying skin has become red and it was very tense and tender and patient also started vomiting. So this is an acute emergency. Immediately you have to do an urgent surgery. Okay, you have to make a groin incision only, hockey stick like incision. You have to open the bubble, open the sac. But here you have to find out whether the bubble is viable or not. So if it is, if it is a color changes in the bubble, you can give 100% oxygen or you can put hot pack over this uh, discolored bubble. Wait for wait for the color to change to normal. If color becomes normal, it's, it's okay. If color is not becoming normal, it is still grayish or black in color, then you have no other choice. You have to do resection and end-to-end -end anastomosis. If the area involved is not of uh, um, much length, you can do this surgery in the groin approach itself. Suppose large length of long length of bubble is gangrenous, then you have to close this, you have to close this, you have to push the intestine inside, open the abdomen, and then only you have to do the surgery. Suppose you have you did a uh, resection and anastomosis in the groin itself, then we should not use, I mean, a mesh to repair this procedure. That means we shouldn't do a hernioplasty because this area is now potentially infected. If you are going to put a mess there, this mess is going to get infected definitely and it is very difficult to eradicate this infection. So this is a contraindication for hernioplasty. In that case, we have to do only herniography, which is nothing but strengthening of patient's own tissue by suturing it together. That's what you have to do. Never we have to do the hernioplasty if we are doing resection and anastomosis. Doctor, in conclusion, what do you want to sum up regarding inguinal hernia? In conclusion, I want to tell inguinal hernia is a common condition that can cause significant discomfort and lead to serious complications. It is important to seek medical attention if you experience any symptoms of an inguinal hernia. Surgical repair is the most effective treatment for inguinal hernia and patients should discuss their options with the surgeon to determine the best approach for their individual needs. Before going to close this episode, do you want to tell anything to our audience, doctor? Yeah, good. I told in the first episode itself, but I want to reinforce it once again. Number one, I request my audience 
to hear this podcast ideally with a headphone number 2 don't mechanically listen this podcast instead visualize what i am discussing as a real patient and see all the symptoms and signs in that patient in other words you should not just hear the podcast but should run a mental movie along what you are hearing regarding the patient under discussion number 3 you can hear this podcast while commuting or driving walking jogging cooking or just before going to sleep but don't forget to use a headphone number 4 just allow my words and the mental movie you are visualizing to permeate into your minds so that it will get imprinted in your subconscious mind then the recall of the inform- information will be very easy number 5 if you think these educa- educational podcasts are very effective learning tools kindly spread this message to your friends and students number 6 if you want to learn more kindly follow me in my youtube channel and in my dedicated website for surgical teaching surgicaleducator.com is my website and surgical educator youtube channel you can find it in the youtube search engine thank you very much doctor for your clear and impactful answers bye bye thank you very much mc i wish you all happy learning and listen your way to mastery of surgery bye bye see you all in the next episode